Father, that is the, the whole duty of life. It's for us as believers to come to that place in that reality where we give ourselves away. Not grudgingly, but freely. Because of the grace and the mercy that you have poured out upon us. Demonstrated through your son, Jesus the Christ. He who knew no sin took on our sins so that we could have the righteousness that only comes to us by faith and believing in him. Now, Holy Spirit, come and be with me as I open up the word of God here from the book of Romans. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide my tongue, guide my mind and my thoughts, that even the words that I've written down on this iPad, that you would have the freedom to lead me and to guide me in any path or direction that you would want me to go. That I would be conscious not to speak of my own words, but only those words which you have written down for us to grow thereby and to be encouraged and to know that you are a real God who loves us more than what we can ever even imagine. We invite you now into this space and this time. Go before us now. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for the violinist. Appreciate that. Blessing to us. If you have your Bible with you, but even if you don't have your Bible, please stand as it is in our honor here. We like to say everything we do is from the word of God. Uh, we know nothing. We do nothing without God's word because it is God's word that leads us and guides us. And so we're back into the book of Romans and still got Dion up there. Pastor Dion, that's a sign. <laughs> That's all right, Carl. Put it back up there. I want him to see that. <laughs> so he can stay busy. All right. You see that, Brother Dion? All right. Going from the book of Romans, chapter 6. Here we are, CSB translation. God's message to the whole world. Sanctification, the image of God. Here we go. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. 
Since the person who has died is free from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead. Offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under amazing grace. This is the word of God. You may have your seats. We started this Roman series, I don't know when, but it was a while ago, it seemed like, and COVID-19 came into our life, and we had to take a detour for a while, and, and lots of other things came along with COVID-19, everything that we're seeing happening in America right now as it relates to some of the racial strife and hostility that we see. But we started this series in Romans, calling it God's message to the whole world. What is that message from God? Just going to go down memory lane for a little bit, but I'm going to come all the way up to Romans chapter six. What is that message that God has given to us in the whole world? Well, the book of Romans, more than any other book of the Bible, grants us a comprehensive message from God to all humanity. The message from God in chapter one states that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is both to the Jew and Gentile. No one, and I mean no one is exempt. Poor, rich, and in between. Black, white, yellow, red, Chinese, Asian, doesn't matter. No one is exempt. That this gospel, this good news that Paul is spelling out here in Romans, it is to the, both the Jew and the Gentile. That's the whole world. And within this gospel message that Paul has spelled out in Romans, it is the righteousness of God in this gospel message. It is being revealed that can only be received by faith. And not by works. What it refers to not by works, you can't work for it. It's not how hard you run. It's not how often you pray. Those things are good in itself, but that's not how faith comes. Faith is the Holy Spirit generating within you this thing to believe the message about the cross, which is about Christ and what he has done to accomplish salvation on all of our behalf. 
This message from Romans is very clear to all humanity that there is no one, that no one is righteous. Let that sink in. No one, not the professor, not the Auburn football team, nor the LSU Tigers, nor Fairfield High School Tigers. No one is righteous. Nor Pastor Hardy or Sister Sandy or anyone in the room. We're not righteous by our own works. Paul says, no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.10. And that's a hard pill to swallow for people in the world. That's hard for Oprah, Bill Gates, and everybody else in between them. No one is righteous. No one has one up on God. No, not one, Paul says in Romans 3.10. And because the message from God to the whole world is this, because it says no one is righteous. Why? Because all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. You can see all this week we got things going around defund the police. Well, folks are finding out real quick that folks are sinful. You remove the police from Fairfield or anywhere else in the world, you're going to have problems. Why? Because Paul says to the whole world, no one is righteous. No one seeks after God on their own. No, not no one. No one understands nor seeks after God. Humans are sinful and rebellious against God. And Paul says in Romans 3.23 that all have sin and they fall short of the glory of God. They don't measure up. We don't measure up. That's the message of Romans. But the message from God to the whole world doesn't end there in Romans 3.23. And I'm glad that it doesn't. It doesn't end there. Because the message Paul keeps telling us concerning God's righteousness. It says, for just as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, you and I. So also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And that's called what we call in doctrinal conversations. That verse is referring to what we call the doctrine of justification. We spent some time on that. Romans chapter four, all the way up to chapter six. So what is justification? I'm just going to quote it today. We've already dealt with that, but I'm just going to quote. What is justification? Here it is. Justification is an act of God's free grace. Wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness. This is important. He accepts you and I, if you believe only the righteousness of Christ which is imputed to us and received by faith alone. So when you believe the gospel story, when you believe the message about the cross, who died on it, you are justified, meaning God sees you as being righteous, even though you, at times you don't feel like you're righteous. You feel low down, scum down and everything else. And you don't feel like those who may be professing to be Christians may not even be righteous in themselves. 
But the truth of the matter is, you and I, when we believe that story, genuinely, you and I are declared righteous before God. We are justified. If you want to know more about that, read Romans chapter 4 all the way to chapter 5. Paul explains all of that, which we have dealt with in the text. I'm reading a book that I have in my bag right here called um, What Does God Want? See this book? This guy is becoming one of my favorite authors in the Christian faith. We lost another one this weekend, J.R. Packer, but he's becoming one of my favorites. And he, in this book, it's a small book, What Does God Want? The premise of this book is that God created us because he wanted a human family to live in his presence. That's why I love the song that Bree and them were singing and Karen and Quest and Bridget and James was playing and love that. Your presence, oh God, God made us that we would live in his presence in addition to his supernatural family, what we call the angels. As Cam was reading Psalms 8, we as human beings, the word of God says that we have been created a little lower than the angels. You don't have wings on your back. So don't go outside and try to fly away. R. Kelly did not tell the truth. You cannot fly. Not yet. I don't know what's going to happen when you get to heaven, but maybe we will be able to fly. But as of right now, this 300 pounds is not getting off the ground by anything other than me getting up on an airplane which I don't like to do anyway. So, but God wanted a family, a human family that would live in his presence along with the supernatural family. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that this way, that what is the chief end of mankind? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why God made us, to glorify him, live for him, and to enjoy him in his presence forever. Now in Genesis, my first slide, Carl, I want you to put this up. Um, CSB translation here. This is important what I'm about to read to you because, and this is important, and I want you just to do this throughout the rest of the year. Just read this text every day. God had me read it for three years, but you really need to understand this because before I get back to Romans chapter six, you really need to understand this part of the Bible, because I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know where everyone is in their faith and their faith journey and their faith walk. So I want to be very careful that I don't just talk so high that I don't hit the people who may be may not know some of the basic things of what we call the faith. And so but here in Genesis, which is the book of beginnings at the beginning of the Bible, here you see God saying the Trinity, and maybe then all the angelic hosts, Michael Heiser refers to that. Then God said, let us make man, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man, humankind, species in our image according to our likeness. So human beings have been made in the image of God and according to his likeness. And then God says this, and they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, 
the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawled on the earth. This word image and likeness, or the word rule, or another translation says dominion is to represent God. You and I have been made by God to represent God on this earth by managing and maintaining his good creation. That was what they were assigned to do in Garden of Eden way, 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 way back. Through cultivation, meaning take what's there and make it better. Using their intelligence, that's why you have a brain. That's why that brain can remember stuff like calculus and, and all of that stuff that in between that. Accounting. God has given us intelligence, the ability to reason and to think. God has also given you and I creativity. We all don't do the same thing. Some of us like to paint and draw and plant and cook and bake. Sandra loves to bake. She got up last yesterday in 25 minutes, baked another pound cake. Just like that. She's just creativity. She's not even looking at notes no more. She's just doing it in the back of her mind. She already know what the ingredients are. And I cut into it about 11 o'clock last night, and I tried to get another piece this morning with my coffee. She said, well, don't, don't cut into it too much because I got to put my icing on it. I said, well, I know she's making it for Carl and Ken and all y'all on Lord Nolan, but I'm going to get my part before she gives it up to you guys. So I'm walking every day now, Brother Carl, so I'm going to get my <laughs> so I can eat that cake now. <laughs> but creativity. Some of y'all have creativity in that and sewing and all kinds of stuff. Talking, rapping, or whatever it is that you do. But God has called us to be his image bearers, creativity, being the caretakers in this earth with his righteousness, which includes justice. That's what God made Adam and Eve in the garden. But we know that all humans are made in the image and likeness of God. That's true. They are. But Romans 5.12 tell us or reveals to us, therefore sin. Something happened in the garden, chapter three. Therefore, sin entered the world through one man. That one man named being Adam, the first Adam. And what happened? Thanatos and death through sin. That's why we die. That's why we get sick. That's why people are fighting and going against each other, hurting each other all over the world. That's why Cain killed Abel in their own family. We see the first murder. It was brother against brother. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people. Why? Because all sin. I was talking to Sister Emily and she was telling me about Jack. I was over there a few weeks ago. And little Jack, you know, he's running around and crashed and breathe. You guys will see this, too, when baby Anna starts to walk up. And she said, man, Pastor Hart, he just he just he just don't want to do what he's supposed to do. I said, where do you think that's coming from? Emily? Sin. Little Jack running around here. He's not here today, but little Jack ruling the house over here at the Saddlers. Thank God for Patrick, who's the elder in training. He said he ain't going to let that happen because in the ruler of an elder, he must do what? Manage this house well. So Patrick's got to stand up to little Jack no matter what he cries or what he says. For this in my house, we will serve the Lord, little Jack. So sin has entered the world. It's in all of our hearts. It's in your heart. It's in mine. 
We all sin because we were all there. We've dealt with that in Romans chapter five, but we still have the image of God. But that the image has been marred. Genesis three happened. We call it the fall of mankind. The image of God became corrupted and we lost something. What did we lose? We lost that righteousness. That true innocence. We lost that. In the garden, Adam lost that righteousness. The presence of God that was with him. That was what was lost. He was now corrupted and everyone born of his loins, him and Eve were corrupted in the same manner. Corrupted by what we call the fall or the sinfulness of mankind. We're born with an inward desire to be rebellious or towards God. It's just there. It's there in all of us. But the gospel is the good news concerning the grace of God. And brothers and sisters, do we not need the gospel? Which is the good news concerning the grace of God and his righteousness. That's what the gospel is. The gospel tell us where we can get this righteousness that was lost in the garden. How we can get saved again. Be put back right in the place with God. As Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, we have peace with God when we believe the story of the gospel. We have peace with him. We're no longer our enemies, but we are now friends. That's good news that comes from the message of the gospel of the grace of God. And this gospel is the work of God in all of salvation. It's the work of God. It's what God does. It's not what we do, but it is what God does on our behalf. And this is where it gets tricky. Because it is the grace of God. And it's not of works, lest anyone should be able to boast that we are saved by faith through his grace. But this is where it gets tricky. Because there is something about grace where certain people, and you've seen this, I know I have, where certain people misinterpreted it as a license to do whatever. So they got God's grace and it means, well, I got God's grace. Then I can just keep doing what I need to do. I can just keep stealing and lying and being a whoremonger or whatever it is and not treating people with the way that you need to treat your neighbor as yourself. You just keep doing sin. So they misinterpreted the grace of God. And this is where you see people say, well, they, 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 the law, they try to make church legalistic. You know, you got some churches where women can't wear, can't wear pants and, they, you know, they only need to wear skirts and dresses or you can't wear a hat. You know, all of these kind of legal laws in the churches you can't find in the Bible. I can't find nowhere in the Bible where it says a woman needs to not wear a pair of pants, a pair of Levi's. Ain't nothing wrong with pair, wearing a pair of nice Levi's. I got some on right now. Nothing wrong with that. Or wearing earrings or whatever that is that we implement to try to say this is in the Bible. But that's how the church, because, well, grace, you may do something wrong. You may just you may not stop sinning. So I want to help God out. <laughs> and so people do that all the time. And so we see here in the text. 
Paul speaks to it. Carl put verse one and two up. People misinterpret the grace of God. And here's what it says. Paul saying to the Romans, because this is already happening in Rome and all in all the churches, really. But we just stick with the church in Rome. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin? I want you to understand it's always sin. This whole thing with salvation in Jesus Christ is not you get your best life now and all the prosperity message. When you hear it, when you just read the Bible, you don't see this three letter word sin all the time. Now, if you listen to a prosperity preacher, he may not ever bring it up. He just wants you to get a big house knowing that you're going to die. Everybody's going to die anyway, but they don't want to tell you about that. But we, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin? Paul is saying to these people in Rome. So that the grace may multiply. One translation says abound. Should we just continue to sin? You meet Jesus on the road to Damascus, wherever your road is. And he saves you. But you just keep being married. You just keep being with your girlfriend, your boyfriend. You just keep. I don't care about what Jesus said. <laughs> I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> just sin. Just just like never met God. You ever see people like that? Man, how come you never have a fear of God and we're getting married and we're trying to do it the right way and you just always at the club every weekend? And you say, but God knows my heart. What kind of heart? God knows. Help me out. But that's what Paul is saying. What should we say? Should we continue in this lifestyle that we've been doing? Look what Paul says. Absolutely not. Paul said, let's be clear. Stop sinning. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because you got God grace, you can just keep doing whatever you want to do. Paul says, stop that nonsense in Alton's language. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? So now Paul is turning a corner. Should we continue in sin with the grace of God? Paul says, absolutely not. And Paul, right here, in God's message to the whole world, Paul introduced to us what we call the doctrine of sanctification. You say, man, Pastor Hardy, that's a big word, like that word justification. So I'm one step ahead of you, so I'm going to put it up and explain to you. So here we go. Next slide. You say, Pastor Hardy, what is sanctification? Because obviously the folks in Rome, they didn't understand it. And so Paul had to break it down to them. And that's what I'm going to do for the remainder of my time. What is sanctification? This is from our Westminster Shorter Catechism that we quote here a lot. But here's what it says. What is sanctification? Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't pay for it. You can't give me money like you do at some churches. You don't need to come up here and put no money down here. They probably pay me off so I can give you grace. It don't work like that. So if you're doing that, that's not how it works. You don't need to give me anything. <laughs> you don't have to pay me no money. Now, you can tithe and give offerings, but you don't have to you're giving it to me. It goes to Brother Dion and Patrick them, and they do what they need to do with it. So you can't pay for grace. Understand me on that. It is of God's free grace by which we are renewed throughout in the image of God. Genesis 1.26. We are renewed throughout in the image of God 
and are enabled more and more to do what? To die to sin and to live to righteousness. The doctrine of sanctification. Now, Carl, you can go back to Romans 6, verse 4, and I want to start walking through the rest of the text. That's important. And I want to highlight a few of the verses in this chapter of 1 through 14. I've already done 1 and 2, but now I want to highlight a few more. And in particular, I want to highlight verse 4, verse 6, and verse 11 and come back to them. But here we go. Verse 4. The doctrine of sanctification, God gives us his grace that we would more and more have a love for him and we refrain from sin. But look what Paul says here, and I want you to catch this slowly. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism. Paul is talking about when we believe, when we come to believe in faith, that we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, the father reached down and and raised him up from the dead. So we, too, this is the key now. So we, too, may walk. The word walk, that means live by in what? In newness of life. Sanctification is newness of life. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, Paul is saying, because when we come to believe in Jesus, we were buried with him by our baptism. When we get baptized into his death, when he died, we died. And then when he was raised again, we were raised again. And we were able to walk in the newness of life. You're a new person. You don't curse people out no more at the job. You don't cheat. You don't lie. You don't steal. You're the best worker. You're on time all the time. You, in fact, you come early and you stay late. You're the best human. So Paul says, walk in the newness of life. This word newness is kenotes. It, has, it, it means the state of being new and different. Not to change different, but real different. Paul says, you are newness in life with the implications of superiority, newness. You're a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And Paul goes on to say, for we have been united with him in the likeness of his death. We will certainly also be the likeness of his resurrection. Verse six, this is key. Another highlight verse. For we know, Gnoski, that our old self, the old you, the old Elton, the old whatever you were and what you used to do, the old you, here you see this, the old self, the old us, we were bad, was crucified with him so that the body, your body, my body, ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Notice the word there, ruled by sin, your body. God, it matters to God what you do with your body. 
how you abuse it. Drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever. It matters to God what you do with your body. That's why, remember what I said, what is it that God wants? God wanted a physical family. The angels are spiritual beings. We are physical beings. God wanted both in the spiritual realm as well in the natural realm. So what you do with your body, it matters to God. And this is why God is saying here, so that the body which was ruled by sin, dominated by sin. Now, why is this so important? Because what was the first thing God told human beings? That you are to rule. But through sin, we are now being ruled by it. But through Jesus Christ, God flips the script. You and I no longer will be ruled or enslaved to sin. Why? Because we were crucified. Our old person, our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we no longer will be enslaved to sin. People without Jesus Christ, they're enslaved to it. They can't stop lying. They can't stop. That's why young ladies, marrying a guy that doesn't believe in Jesus is like marrying the Satan thinking he's going to love you. Here's what I'm saying. Man, unsaved people can't be faithful. Faithfulness is one of the fruits of the spirit of being in Christ. That's why at Urban Hope, if you're a young lady here and you want to get married and you come and meet with me and deal with the elders, that's the first question we're going to ask. But Pastor Hurry, you got a good job. That's okay. He don't have any gold teeth in his mouth. That's okay. <laughs> he, he don't have any kids. Okay, it's okay. First thing I want to know, is he saved by grace through faith? And he said, nah. Well, you ain't going to get married here. You ain't going to get married across the street. <laughs> now you're going to find one of them preachers on the internet and some <laughs> prosperity preachers. They'll marry you quickly. Just kidding, I'm not going to do that to you because I know what's going to happen anyway. Because I understand what darkness is. Because I used to live it. So I understand it. So moving on. Next verse. Let's go down to the next verse. Here we go. Since a person who has died is free from sin. Now if we died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead. Will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. Keep this. Keep going. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but in life he lives, he lives to God. Here it is, verse 11. So you too consider, words key here, consider, consider, um, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, I'm going to come back to that. Therefore, then we're going, let me keep reading. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, you and I are alive from the dead. We used to be dead, Ephesians 2, but now we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. So now you live and you offer yourselves to God as we were singing the song. Now we give ourselves away. But before, we didn't care about giving our life away for God. We did what we wanted to do. We went where we wanted to go. 
But in God now, we give our life away for him that he will use our hands, our mind, our body, our feet for his, for his righteousness. We use all of our body for weapons for righteousness. We preach, we sing. We speak well of people because we use our tongue as weapons for righteousness, not to tear people down. We do that. But look at verse 14. For sin will not rule over you. It's all about this sin thing. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Verse 11 says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I pause there on the word consider. The Greek word there is logizomai, same word we get for logic. It means to keep a record of accounts. Another way of saying it is to understand the truth of your situation. That Christ's death and resurrection has altered your position. You have to think on that. Christianity is a thinking religion. It's not even a religion. You have to think. It's not just always feeling. You have to use your mind. So Paul is saying, I want you to consider, to think on the truth of your situation. What Christ's death and resurrection has altered your position. That we should live in accordance with this new reality. That I'm no longer dating my sins. God's spirit rests in me and you. That's how we can say no to sin. Where before we could never say no. We were ruled by it. We were dominated by porn. It made us do what it wanted to do. We couldn't even turn it off when we wanted to. But now in Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that rests in you, you cannot defeat porn. You can defeat sin in your life. So Paul says, consider, think on what the resurrection means. In his death, he died for the sins. Not his sin, our sins. So Paul is saying, think, understand, logizomai, consider what this stuff is all about. Christianity, you have to think, you have to read, and you have to meditate. Why is that so important? Because John 17, 17 says, sanctify them, sanctification. How? How is he going to sanctify you and I? How is that going to happen in your life? How do we go from not loving God to loving God more and more each and every day? How is it that happens? Jesus says, Father, sanctify them. Wow. By the truth. What's the truth? For your word is truth. Paul is saying, think on these things. Consider. And Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. For your word is truth. When you're reading and meditating on God's word and you're thinking on what Jesus has done and you're reading the stories 
how he was beaten. When you get to Ephesians, you get to the book of Colossians, Thessalonians, Philippians. You're reading, you're meditating on what Christ has done. And when you do that, it empowers you. But not only that, it sanctifies you. And it brings back to your remembrance of what Christ has done for you, that he has defeated sin. And therefore, you and I can now live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. We're not the old person anymore. We're new people created after the image of God. Jesus has sanctified them. And I put here in my notes. And this is why this is so important, understanding the word of God. What is it that God wants? What is it that he wants out of humanity? God never invented racism. God never invented that stuff. That came from the fall. God told us what he wanted from humanity. Let us make man in our image and likeness. And nowhere in the text will you see God say, and let them rule over each other and oppress each other. You will not find that in the text. That came about because of Adam's sin. And therefore, Satan has come up with all of these isms that we see that are with us to this very day. But this is why it's so important. What is it that God is doing through Jesus Christ? And this is verse has changed my whole life. I posted about it on, 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 on Facebook. You have to understand what God is. And I didn't always know this text. This is one of the most important texts in the Bible. Who are you? Who made you? Not what the sociology books say. What does God say about you? And God said, go to my word. Stop listening to any professor. What did I say about you, Alton Hardy? Who made you? And this is where I went from a victim to now being one who is doing exactly what God intended for me to do. That's what we call the promised land. We are not made for Egypt. Egypt is of the world. It is what Satan does. But God comes through Jesus Christ and the gospel to bring us to the promised land, the real life, the Zoe life. And I am no longer a victim because of my skin color. And nor you in Christ. This is why we can do whatever God has called us to do. But the enemy has bewitched the people of God. He has tricked them, but we are new creatures being renewed in the image of God. And what did God say about us? We are to rule, have dominion, cultivate, use your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. Brothers and sisters, I didn't always believe that. Because I was believing what Satan had told me in Egypt. I was indoctrinated in the doctrines of Egypt. That told me because I was a poor black kid that I couldn't do or say or be whatever. But look at what God is doing. How did it stop and how did it change? We are made by God. In his image, in his likeness. Carlos, you can run that restaurant and we're going to eat there and we're going to shop there. We're going to set up and build houses and raise our families after the admonition of God. We are going to do that in Jesus' mighty name here in the city of Fairfield. And we're not hearing anything else. We're going to work with our hands. We're going to work with our minds. 
We are not beggars. We are people of God who have been made by God, created by God. And therefore, how do we interact with other people who have been made by God? That's why I had Dion read the book of James 3.9. We need to watch what comes out of our mouth when we speak about other image bearers. All humans have been made by God. White, black, mixed, in between, Chinese, Asian. They didn't make themselves. God made them. Watch what we say about other image bearers of God. You can't say with one tongue you bless God and you hate your brother whom you do see. You can't do that. We are the people of God. Yes, sin came. But Jesus came also, and he's dealt with it. Now, how do we live into it? That's what Romans is taking us. We're all equally sinful at the foot of the cross. We're all equally sinful. All have sin and falling short of the glory of God. That's all of us. But if you try to get your answers from Nick Cannon, you're going to get ethnocentrism. Someone's always better than somebody else. So that's what the world's going to give you. That's all racism is. Who am I? I'm better than you because of a skin pigmentation that you don't have nothing to do with. That's foolishness. And what Paul says, we're all sinful. But Jesus has come. And we have to be renewed in the truth of God that sanctifies us. For your word is truth. Know the word of God. God, that changed my life. Romans, I mean, if, um, Genesis 1.26. I was so deeply marred in my psychology and about myself. And God said, I'm going to get this out of you. I'm going to get it out of you. And now I said to God today, God, I'm so sorry that I even thought like that. Sin is real. Not denouncing, denying racism. It has real impacts on people and how they think about themselves. But better yet, Jesus Christ is real. And he's a renewal of the mind. He makes us over. He makes us new. And I wasted a lot of time trying to figure out who I was by reading the books. And you know how God sanctified this 6'4 poor kid from Sardis? And I'm closing on this. He didn't send me to book books. He sent me to the book of books. He sent me to the word of God. And he said, first understand who made you. And brothers and sisters, no one at this point in my life is going to take that away from me. I know who I am. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. This work of sanctification is not our work. It is your work in us through your word that you renew us over and over, that we would have a hate, hatred for sin because it's not the real life. It's the old life, the old self. But you have come that we may have life, Zoe life, and life more abundantly. But the thief, the pharaohs of this world, the gods of this world, they come to steal, kill, and destroy. They destroy us in how we think about ourselves. But Father, we thank you that in your word that you come to renew us, to help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, 
that we would no longer be conformed to this age and what it says and what CNN says and what Fox says and what CBS says or what some professor says. But we are transformed by the renewal of our mind through the word of God. This is what sanctifies us. This is what makes us one. And so, Father, we pray as we continue to walk through this sermon series on the gospel of sanctification, that you will begin to show us and you will begin to free us up, Lord God, from those deep seated unbelief systems that are working in us, Lord, where we think little of ourselves. But help us to understand that when you said, let us make human beings, that you are not being mocked. That when you speak, it shall return. It shall be exactly what you've called it to be. And so, Father, we pray. Show us, make us, renew us after your image and your likeness. That we here at Urban Hope and all over Fairfield but demonstrate a gospel that would be so amazing, so astonishing to those who would be onlooking. It would be like something they've never seen before. Father, do this in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Brother Quaz, come and say a quick prayer. Please stand to your feet as Brother Quaz come and dismiss us away. And I'm going to stand here. You're dismissed as my brother come and pray us out, this man of God. Uh, bow your head with me, please. Uh, dear Father, we just thank you so much for that word, Lord God. It was just uh, very convicting, Lord God. Just, um, thank you for Pastor Alton's faithfulness to preach your word, Lord God, and to stand behind uh, your truth. 